0: Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of the Market Scale Technology podcast. I'm your host Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. And folks, thanks so much for joining us on another episode of the show. We appreciate you listening along and joining us for some broad industry thought leadership. Today we're going to be digging into some very specific uh, expansions in the use of data and how they intersect with the cloud. Before we jump into the conversation though, I want to make sure you're heading to our website marketscale.com for more technology industry thought leadership, and make sure that you're also subscribing to our various podcasts on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. So on today's episode of the podcast, we're exploring how the innovative technologies of artificial intelligence and machine learning are shaping data management. Though powerful and incredibly useful across industries, AI and machine learning have given OT and IT professionals a fresh headache of how to process, analyze, and create actionable insights around their data. But on top of that, There's always the challenge of understanding how to retain store and then access old data for future uses. So with our conversation, we're going to be breaking down how companies are attempting to manage their data needs today, what's working, what isn't and how the cloud either public or private, and we'll get into those distinctions here, could provide some needed infrastructure for long-term data management. So here to give us insights are two guests from Vion, an IT storage and services company. We're joined by Ray McKay, VP of Solution Sales, and Michael Lamb, Product Manager for Solution Infrastructure, both with Vion. Ray, Michael, great to have you both on. How are you doing?
2: Wonderful. Good uh, Good to be here. Looking forward to the conversation. Exciting one for us.
1: Thanks for having us. This is uh, should be interesting.
0: Yeah, it's a real pleasure getting to sit down with both of you. There's quite a bit to unpack here, a lot of technical specifics and also just operational strategy. So let's go ahead and jump in. Uh, let's start by getting a lay of the land of... AI and machine learning's expansion Uh, with applications like AI and machine learning and the advanced analytics that come with them. The need to access data is forever changing. So can you give us some context on the degree to which data flow increases with AI and machine learning solutions? How does that data actually increase in capacity and why?
2: Yeah, it's not just the capacity, of course. It's also the, the amount of time you're going to retain the data that's that's changing dramatically. Uh, AI is giving the world new value propositions every day, uh, and and conver- also then everybody's learning how to to think about new AI uh, actions that they can take in the future to drive more value for the for the for the entire world. So now the concept of data having an expiration date starts to go away, because I'm using my data today to process to create value, uh, and tomorrow data that maybe in the past I wouldn't have used will suddenly be useful for me again. To come back and drive value from so driving value from organizations data that's the mission and now the use cases are going to continue to evolve and evolve and m- much of the d- of data in the past that we thought would have an expiration date not be used again that changes now we need to keep that data because we're going to use it again
1: is data is constantly growing everybody kind of knows that you hear about you know how much it's growing year over year um and now people aren't going to be getting rid of their data they're going to want to keep that around so they could they can run analysis on it later, you know, in the future, whether it's next year, ten years, twenty years down the road. So that, that that data set's always gonna be there and it's always gonna need to be accessible quickly and easily.
0: So then I guess if you had to summarize, why does data management Matter in this overall ecosystem of data flow, and how does having proper data management affect the ability to process, analyze, and then retain and use the data we're getting from AI and machine learning?
2: Well, you know, the data management model is changing uh, as well as the data, you know, model itself is, is is changing, and obviously we have to effectively manage that data, manage the performance, manage the cost, manage the access patterns, uh, and when when technology and use technology changes the management of that technology changes too so now we need to evolve our data management approach we have to look at how do i have data really in two models it's either active now and temporarily inactive and then next week that'll flip and that data that was inactive comes back in and is active again now i have to manage that data where it's currently living, whether it's active or inactive, we have to manage its cost, we have to manage its, the performance of it if it's running, and I have to manage how fast it can stage you know, between the different two different st- tiers, if you will. So if I don't do that effectively, uh, I can run out of budget very quickly. We know of one use case, for example, when a customer was trying to store 160 petabytes of data, not realizing that we're gonna end up calling the data back almost immediately, and they ran out of budget having only stored one third of their data. So there's a specific use case, you know, proof point of why you have to have a very effective data management strategy.
1: Yeah, and I think, too, I mean, when you're looking at the data management strategy, it has to span, you know, kind of like Ray said, when when you're spanning both active and inactive data, that's going to span different storage environments, different storage tiers. So you need, to, you need to make sure that your management platform is going to... Going to be able to talk to your your active, performant like NVMe storage, all the way down to the the cheapest inactive storage, whether that's a uh, spinning hard drive or tape media, and be able to like see all of the data that's there, be able to access that data, um, allow the users to either search that data or the applications to search that data, and and stage that data from an inactive set into the active set so it can be uh, be run through the different workloads.
0: I think what end users are realizing now as they have integrated AI and machine learning into their workflows is that a lot of the current processes for managing this data can be really inefficient, costly, cumbersome to integrate and use day to day. And this is especially the case when dealing with historic data. So what are some of the main legacy data management processes that persist today? break down some of the most common ones and some of the domino effects that they can create for their businesses? You know, Mostly, I guess, the negative domino effects. But if there's anything that does still work today from those legacy systems, feel free to intersect that as well.
2: Most legacy systems really are deriving from the when did I last access the data? Uh, and that's kind of been the industry norm. So as data has not been accessed, I start to push it down storage tiers and then, and then push it out. And when it's finally pushed out, I don't really care much about it. The problem is that model again is the ones evaporating. The new model says no. I'm gonna I'm going to access that again. So now I need to change my focus to how much time does it take to get that data back so I can I can use it, and then how much do I have to pay to be able to get that data back in place where it could be active. So that legacy system of thinking well I didn't have an access state in 30 days, therefore I'm going to push it out has to be has to be retuned to how much time do i have to have this data back in place and how much money am i going to have to pay to do that and how do i create a, a budget without surprises you know so i have to I have to move to that new kind of process of managing my data
1: yeah i i think a lot of the the legacy systems today are are kind of siloed so you have you know your performance then you have your day to day then you have you know your your tape, your inactive data. So all of, all of those different environments, all those different tiers of data have their own silo and maybe their and, and their own management platform. There's no picture across all of the plat, all of all of those tiers. There's no easy way for users or applications to to reach into, you know, the the inactive data that might be stored on tape or on a spinning drive and actually start to stage that onto the the more active, more performant data. So. Right now, that's all a manual process to kind of tier the data uh, from from tier to tier and and then to pull it back. So it, it's very time consuming and, and very, uh, very inefficient use of the, the storage tiers.
0: So if these legacy data management systems and processes are proving to be, I guess, ineffective or just not holistic enough for the data load that AI and machine learning bring, why do we still see so many industries and so many organizations run with these legacy management processes? What are some of the inhibitors? Is it that uh, education on new solutions isn't robust enough? Is it cost? Is it um, you know lack of workforce education? Is it lack of um, resources for integration? I don't know, give us that lay of the land there. Why do we still see so many legacy management systems that just can't properly manage AI and machine learning data?
2: Well, let's face it, change is always hard and complicated. And uh, awareness of of what uh, the value propositions that AI can bring. Let's face it, it's really we've been talking about AI for you know a couple of decades, probably, but it's really just now coming into its own. So when a when a capability comes into its own, that's when you see the new problems you know start to arise. You can talk about things, but then we start to experience. If we go, oh, now I see that I've got to solve that problem. You know, the concept for AI you know, is branching into new areas like medical research and so forth and and keeping MRIs around forever so that your data sample size grows from 5 million to 10 billion to 10 trillion whatever sizes so you can make better predictive analysis, better AI use case applications. uh, That is what drives the change. And now as people see that change, now they go, wow, I can't manage that infrastructure the way I used to. But until they see it, they don't, don't respond to it. So I think now is where we are: is the world is starting to see it, starting to encounter the budget problems, the operational problems, and that and that necessity is what drives the change.
1: Yeah, I don't think this was really a, a huge issue up until just recently. It's, you know, you you've always kind of managed everything separate. That's just kind of the way that everything was was being done. And now with with new technologies, um, people are looking to change the way that they they were managing their data in the past and there's a there's a new way to do it now
0: give us some more context on the industries that we see uh i guess most needing this sort of long-term data archiving break that down for us which industries uh or if you just had to summarize some of your favorite or maybe the ones where this is most applicable uh, give us those use cases and uh if you can intersect federal agencies as well because i know that they are often required to save records for decades if not Forever. Right. So give us some context on where we see the needs uh, in these industries the most in public and private contexts and why those industries are really the ones that are managing a heavy load of data.
2: Yeah. So first, let's step back a second. Really, what we're talking about here is not the use case for long term data archive. Uh, long-term data archive is not going away. It's still there. You've got comp- compliance data that you're going to have to retain. You need disaster recovery in case the worst happens. You, you're going to keep the, the long-term data archiving use case around. But what's changing here is not the idea. If you will, data archiving is for data you hope you never need again. I mean, that's really the use case. I'm, I'm, I'm keeping this, but I hope I don't ever have to use it. This use case that we're, that we're moving to is, no, I will use this data again. Uh, and I intend to use it in the future. I'm going to be looking for ways I can use this data to drive more value. Now, that's not just specific to the federal agencies or commercial agencies. You know what? This is going to be pervasive. It is pervasive. There's certainly um, those industries that are forward thinking, the medical industry, space and technology, uh, you know, military, uh, weather and climate. These th- things are, of course, at the front edge. Uh, because they're they have more experience in driving driving through AI solutions, but you know maintenance of vehicles, uh, maintenance of fleets, uh, all sorts of th- predictive analytics that are going to come to bear to help people achieve new economies of scale. It's going to hit every single every single industry, every single agency, uh, and it's going to be expanding. That's why we see already that the kind of technologies that were built for HPC for AI are suddenly becoming more commonplace in applications across the board so we believe this becomes pervasive and uh, and it's a new use case long-term archive is still there it's there for disaster recovery it's there for data you hope you don't need but now we have the forever data data that we fully intend to in fact we're going to be trying to think of ways that we can leverage that data for more value from my agency from organizations so I think it's a it's now a different a different layout not just long-term archive.
0: Can you break down then how the solutions differ? Because it sounds like with long term archiving, what we're talking about here is, like you said, putting that data away, hoping to never touch it. And therefore, the uh, management tool doesn't really need to make it easy for you to get back in there, access that data day in and day out. However, what we're talking about now with AI and machine learning data and managing that, like you said, that technology needs to be accessed every day, it'll be part of operations. And what you need is a catalog that is ready, excuse me, readily accessible, and something that you can integrate with data that you're getting in real time as well. So can you break down how that actually changes the structure of the solution, the software, uh, and the UI, the user interface and user experience?
1: Yeah, so I mean, I I think, you know, the the first part is, you know, like you said, the the main difference is that that data archive is there for compliance purposes. It's there for disaster purposes. It's there to make sure I've got that insurance. I've got that insurance policy. So if you know, God forbid anything ever happens, I can restore my data. You're going to take that. You're going to put that off on um, on cloud storage, on on tape storage, offsite, multiple different locations. That's going to be stored, and you're never going to touch that again. That that's that's offsite, untouchable. What we're looking at is is how you you take that data and now you can move it across all of your your different storage environments. So we have a policy manager that that will integrate with with your different storage environments, whether they're NVMe, um, SSD, all the way down to hard drives, all the way down to to tape. Um, And then you can move that data based on how often it's accessed? What what kind of you know when when you're accessing it? What kind of activity? How active that data is? So you're you're really hitting the data that might be more on on your NVMe because you're really running a lot of workloads, a lot of analytics against that data, a lot of machine learning uh, um, applications. You know you've got your end user data, you've got your um, your shares, your your home directories. It's still an active tier, but you don't need that that performance. So again, you know that's going to be kind of a little bit cheaper storage. You know, you've got your enterprise NVMe. This is going to be more around the uh, the spinning disks, maybe the hard drives, and then you get the data that you know, hey, maybe no one's touched this in, I don't know. It's going to be different uh, from company to company. Nine months, twelve months, year and a half, and that can then be moved to the tape. But even though everything is on the different environments and it's on the different storage tiers, you still have that policy manager that kind of acts kind of like that data cop and it it knows where everything is. So that's gonna be where the end users are actually hitting. And that's gonna be the, the UI where they can go in and they can do a search against all of the data. And so if you search, you know, a case number, well, some of that might be over on the NVMe data because it's brand new. Some of it might be on your your object storage because you know it, it's in somebody's home drive or a share drive. Some of it might have been, you know, when the case first started, let's say two and a half years ago. And so that might have been moved. That's a historical data that, that's moved down into the tape. That policy manager then lets you take all of that, do a search for it, and quickly and easily then stage that data from all of those different tiers. Onto the active tier, where now you can start to run against, you know, a workload or run a, a, an analytics against that. Um, so that that's really the the big thing is we're not, you know, the long term archive again. That's that's data that you're not touching. This is data that needs to be touched. Um, it's going to be around forever, whether it's uh, you know your active data is being used on a daily basis. This is the inactive data that's that's. You know, the forever data, you, you, you put it off on cheaper storage, and you, know, you don't want to leave it on your NVMe storage, because that's going to kill your budget. So you move it off onto the cheaper storage, that way you can keep it longer, it's still reliable, it's still secure, but you can also get it back quickly and easily as you need it.
0: We're going to get a little deeper into Vions forever data cloud solution here in a little bit. Before we do that, I want to intersect this concept of the cloud in data management uh, more granularly, and then we'll use that kind of as a bouncing off point. So again, let's intersect the cloud. The cloud, in general, has grown as a solution for meeting data management needs. So I'd like to track that timeline a bit. Can you break down the evolution of how managing and retaining data has changed in relation to the cloud? And how have those processes improved over the years? To what effect? Break that down for us?
2: It's kind of a two part answer. One is what what has happened in the past, and let's be specific to with a term and call it public cloud, uh, and then what we think is about to happen uh so obviously public cloud gives you know the ability to scale and grow very quickly uh, and and you're not really limited so you if you're if you need to triple or quadruple your capacity you can do that very very effectively what the public cloud has challenges doing though is moving that data from say their their environment back to your environment both from a cost and a time standpoint so as long as data is is up in the cloud and, and public cloud and not really needing to be accessed, it's a very cost-effective way of storing and managing your data. But just as soon as you, you move to this new use case where, no, I'm going to use that data uh, every year, uh, just, it, just once every year, just that simple statement triples your cost in a typical public cloud deployment model. Because that model is built for, I'm going to store it, I'm not going to touch it. And whereas this model that's evolving for AI is, I am going to touch it, and even if it's only once a year, I have I have two problems with the public cloud. It takes me a long time to bring that data back down to where I can run against it, and it costs me a lot of money to do that. So those are the two challenges that the public cloud have. Now, from a perspective, we think cloud means not just public cloud, but it also means private cloud. And in, in the Vian Federal Data Cloud, which is a private cloud model, you know, we solve those two challenges. So we have fast staging of data from inactive to active tier, and we don't have any costs associated with that. And uh, adding one federal point to it, there's another challenge the federal government has with this with this uh, architecture of public cloud, because you get some unpredictable nature to your budget. You don't know how much data you're going to stage back, therefore you don't know how much it's gonna cost you. So with the, with the private cloud model that we offer, there's no cost for that, so therefore there's also a very predictable budget that you can that you can derive. So we think that's the advantages of using a private cloud for this kind of a solution. As we talk about the cloud,
0: uh, you've made distinctions now between the public cloud and then its counterpart, private clouds. I think it's important to highlight that difference, especially in terms of data management. So usually when we talk about long-term archiving of data, That is going to be happening on a public cloud, Uh, and you feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, what we're looking at now and as AI and machine learning feeds more data into these systems, the public cloud doesn't have the right or refined infrastructure to support this influx of data and create uh, accessibility of that data in a way that feeds into day-to-day operations. So can you break down that difference in how we're seeing public and private clouds uh, attempt to manage this influx of data management needs and where does each work or not work and why? Kind of at a general level. And then we'll get into Vion solution.
2: The public cloud, we actually believe that long-term archive can be accomplished in both. A public cloud model and a private cloud model, and we actually offer both capabilities to our customers for long-term archive. So we think both have a play there. Uh, The difference is this: if if I have a private cloud, you know, safely behind a firewall that I'm my data center or a colo facility, it's my my data. I've already pre-architected that solution with very fast interconnect between active and inactive, temporarily inactive data. So when I get ready to stage the data, I can do so very rapidly. Uh, I don't have to worry about long network delays, propagation delays you know, staging delays that would come from a public cloud type of an architecture. Because I specifically designed it to be fast, to be able to stage data between the two tiers, active and inactive. So that's a design point that private cloud specifically addresses. The other thing is the cost side of it. You know, so I built that cost into my private cloud. It's already baked into your your cost of storage. Whereas in the public cloud, you're, you're metered. So the more you destage, the more you, you that you bring out, the more you pay. So I've got, um, that's the design differences between the two. That's why if you're doing data that's not gonna be touched or you hope it's never touched, uh, I think public cloud storage, long-term retention is a viable option as are some private cloud options. But if you get into data that you need very predictable and very fast time to stage, let's say you got a, a big AI, let's, let's take the coronavirus and you're using an HPC platform to do uh, vaccine research and you roll out, I I roll in data to try to predict what the the vaccine should look like. Now I'm gonna roll in my my patient data and try to apply it and see if it's gonna be cost effective. I don't want that process to take three weeks, stage my data. I want that done in three seconds, right? So I, I want that thing back up and running as fast as I can because time is of the essence. So now you can only really do that in a private cloud model. For folks that
0: are still trying to feed this AI and machine learning data through the public cloud and then extract that data and use it in day-to-day operations, what they're finding is massive expenses, and uh, those are difficult to scale, especially as these data needs only increase with more ai integrations so can you break that down as well some of the costs that come with trying to uh, manage this data through a public cloud and how are you seeing different industries or organizations try to maneuver those costs
2: well like the use case we talked about earlier a real use case where a customer tried to move 160 petabytes into you know a public cloud uh, long-term archive what they forgot was that this data was gonna be used almost immediately, at least some of it right back in the the AIs that were running. So that's, I think the answer to that that cost question is that you don't know how much this data you're gonna bring back. You are storing it now in this use case because you do believe you'll use it again. And when you do use it again, the data set itself, the size of data is just growing and growing and growing. So if you have it in the public cloud and it's growing, it triples in a year, and then suddenly you need to bring it all down, well, your cost to bring it all down just tripled as well. In that model, any data that you don't think you're, that you really don't want to use again, it's fine to push it into that long-term archive data model. But anything else now belongs in a model where you have control of it. You can have a cost-effective design, but also a performant design. So you have, if you will, the cost of holding the data, whether it's active or inactive, you have the cost of running against that data, so how how fast does the storage need to perform? And you have the cost and time of staging that data. These are now the new design points for a for a effective solution for AI and HPC kinds of applications.
1: And moving that data or staging that data from an inactive tier to an active tier within within a data center is going to be a lot faster than trying to pull it down from a public cloud. So so that access here it's going to be um, you're you're going to get a lot more performance. You're going to have access to that data a lot faster, especially as as those datasets grow
0: All right. Let's go ahead and intersect Vion's solution more specifically now. At Vion, you offer the, VFDC, the Vion Forever Data Cloud, which is a private cloud that looks to solve not only uh, those cost issues of extracting the data, but all of the operational challenges of trying to manage this data day in and day out over something like a public cloud instead. uh, And also has put a big focus on ease of use in design and capabilities. So I'd like to hear from both of y'all what that actually looks like in practice. Can you comment and break down uh, on some of the design points, the capabilities and the vision for your forever data cloud and how it meets today's uh, AI and machine learning management needs?
1: The Vian forever data cloud is going to integrate into our HPC or AI model. So as we're out talking to any of our customers, that are interested in high performance computing or analytics, machine learning, we're obviously going to bring up the ViON Forever Data Cloud. Um, again, we can we've partnered with industry leaders, so we can provide from the, the policy manager all the way down to all of the different storage tiers, whether it's NVMe, uh, the all San Flash, uh, or all Flash San. Um, if it's you know SSD, HDD, tape media. We can provide all of that on premise to the customer. Uh, we will integrate it for the customer. You know, we will make sure that their uh, that, that the policy manager integrates with with the, the storage vendors. Uh, it integrates with with the majority of the enterprise storage vendors. Uh, any of the, any of them on the back end, and then we can work with the the end users to train them so that they understand how to use the policy manager um, and how to move data as they need it from, from one tier to another, as they stage and de-stage that data. You know, we can also uh, interject in with uh, some security, so we can do either some, um, some perimeter security, or if they do want to do the long-term archive, we have an archive scanner that can make sure that they that can scan that data, so that that data is going to be secure um, before it's archived to the long-term media, whether that's public or private cloud and then also scanned when it comes off of that long-term media um, to make sure that nothing has, uh, has corrupted it while it has uh, been archived. You know, we, 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 we can sell, like I said, everything here can be done in either a CapEx model or in our typical as a service model. So kind of a uh, capacity consumption based model.
2: Yeah, just if they could kind of put a summary on it. Basically what we'll do is we'll integrate technology from a very wide variety of vendors. We will customize and tailor the technology against the specific needs of the particular organization. We will manage it all from a single console standpoint, single policy set. And, uh, and if needed, we'll even uh, run that environment for the customer of full managed services. So that's what we mean by buying forever Data Cloud. We bring all these technologies together based upon their cost, based upon their performance, based upon the specific requirements of the, of the customer and we deliver it in a cloud model. I guess I could touch on that by saying Vion has been doing a private cloud model since 2003, even before it was called cloud. So we have a great deal of experience doing this.
0: And then last but not least, can you give us some more specific or grounded examples of how you've seen the forever data cloud in action for different industries that maybe we broke down earlier? The ones that are... uh, managing a lot of data or are trying to manage data over legacy systems that just don't cut it and can't handle the flow or the operational need of uh, day in and day out access to this data so yeah break down the fdc in action where it works best and why
2: i think the fdc in action works best because of our ability to customize and tailor it you know we can give you several different use cases where we have customers that were managing their their clouds, their, their storage uh, from full managed services to just piece parts. So, when we look at the, the construct of our solution, a customer may say, I'm not ready for this entire thing that you guys have designed. So, can I just start with the enterprise class storage tier in a cloud model? And the answer is yes, we, we do that for people with technologies from a variety of vendors. Or they could say, you know what? I right now just want to get my data into a temporarily inactive cost-effective and, and, and performance-effective staging model can you do that. And we have customers where we have certainly deployed just that aspect of the solution. Uh, and then you may have maybe an in- intermediary tier where customer says, well, you know, I've got my enterprise class storage, it's running fine. I've got my my ability to hold my data in a temporarily inactive state, but I need some object storage, something in between. Can you, can you fill that gap? And Vine has gone in and we deliver that part of the Forever Data Cloud. So I think one of the key, the key capabilities that we offer here is you don't have to do everything the first day. Uh, you, we can come in and just start bringing in the concept of a Forever Data Cloud for you, uh, and we can address just the key pain point that you have now, and then we can grow into other areas as you have needs. So I think that's one of the best aspects of what we offer. We're not just trying to come in and replace everything you got. Instead, we're focused on a business challenge. It's not really about the the technology anyway. It's really about you have a business problem. Let's help you solve it. Um, and as Mike said, we could do it in a traditional CapEx way too. But these days, most people are, are, are choosing to do it in a, in a cloud cost model. Uh, so that's, I think, the, the, the best part of what we've designed is it's not take it all or nothing. It's, hey, tell me what your biggest pain point is. Let's go address that.
0: All right, Ray, Michael, thank you both so much for your time today. It's really been a pleasure getting to chat and break down this intersection of AI, machine learning, and data management, how it's feeding into the private cloud, and how the private cloud, especially Vion Solution, can potentially solve a lot of those operational and management challenges that we're seeing a lot of industries face today. So thanks again to Ray McKay, vice president of solution sales and Michael Lamb, product manager for solution infrastructure, both with Vion. It's really been a pleasure. Thanks again to both of you. Thanks, Daniel. We enjoyed the chat. Thank you. And thank you, everyone, for listening to another episode of the podcast. If you like what you heard and want to listen to previous episodes, make sure that you're going to Marketscale.com. Again, Marketscale.com. And for more information on Vion and some of the work they're doing in IT service management and building out IT enterprise solutions, but also more specifically for some of the data management needs we spoke about today, make sure that you're going to their website, Vion.com. Again, Vion, V-I-O-N.com. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B, and we'll catch you next time.